0: I'm Matt. I'm Carlos. I'm Jesse. I'm Jordan. And, and this is, is Comics first Comics.
1: So we're talking about Avengers Endgame today. Uh, fair warning to anyone listening, this is going to be super spoilery. So if you haven't watched the movie yet, pause this right this second. Go watch the movie and then come back and listen to it because, trust me, and I'm speaking for everyone here, but you definitely do not want this podcast to spoil the movie for you because there are, like, so many big moments. I can't even imagine what it would have been like knowing that going in. But, you know, I heard that Carlos actually read some spoilers, so I'm curious, what was it like kind of going into that already knowing stuff and what spoilers did you know?
2: Oh, I thought it was really cool knowing ahead of time that, um... No, actually, I I didn't really know much. I only saw a screenshot of Hulk with the Infinity Gauntlet. That was the only screenshot I saw. Uh, And I kind of already knew that because, like, I I always keep up with the set photos and with the toy leaks. And one of the toy leaks was that, like, uh, Tony was going to make an Infinity Gauntlet. So I was like, well, okay, someone's got to wear it. And just seeing the screenshot of Hulk wearing it, I was like, that doesn't really mean anything. So, like he could wear it and it could fail, etc., etc. et cetera. Like more than one person can wear it in a movie. Um, and sure enough, a couple people wear it. Um, so that was a, oh wait, I can say everything. Cause it's, we're talking spoilers. Yeah.
1: You can tell everyone oh, yeah. who wears it. Well, well, <laughs> hopefully they know by yeah, now.
2: Like only three people wear it, but like Hawkeye carries it around for like 20 minutes. That was fun. And then Black Panther carries it around. And then my boy Spidey, like, you know, picks it up with his webs and like, screams a lot. That's fun. He held on to so, that thing
3: for like a good two minutes, I feel like.
2: Yeah, like he was he was pretty good with it, you know? He had the instant kill turned on.
0: Oh that was sick. <laughs> you
2: know, I mean that was fun. I don't know. But that's the only spoiler I saw. Did you guys see any others? I avoided
3: it like the pl- plague. I don't even watch trailers. I so. watched the two original trailers they put out. And then the special look thing they they also put out and then Cause then they started closer to the release date, they started putting out all the the TV spots and stuff. I avo- I was it took a lot of willpower to avoid those because I figured they'll show mostly snippets from the trailers, but every once in a while something else will leak into those and I'm like, no, I don't want to see it. And I'm glad I, I avoided it as much as I did. Cause but even even then I like the trailers don't prepare you at all. There because there's so much I said it going in, like we know so little. And this movie's practically, it's like just, just shy of three hours. And I'm like, yeah, this is like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And yeah, that, that was basically what we got is just like, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect and anything I maybe was expecting. Like I thought in the beginning it was going to be, they go to wherever Thanos is and he kicks their asses and then something like rewinds the clock, whatever it is. No. Five years later, fuck it, and and from that from there I was like, oh yeah, this is just out of my hands. We're just gonna do whatever here. So, and yeah, that was that was a lot. It <laughs> was so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I kind of went the almost the exact opposite way of spoilers. Where like I watched a couple of the trailers, but then like the TV spots would come on when I was at the gym, so I was just like, all right, that's happening somewhere. But then once people were starting to watch it, because I watched it friday so technically opening day but you know those early thursday showings but once people started watching it i kind of just stopped reading what they had to say about it even if it wasn't spoilers i just was like i don't want to know what you think at all like what if you think this was the best movie and i just like end up hating it for whatever reason so like i don't want to i don't want to know what you think i'm just gonna keep my own opinions keep that to myself see what's going on and then kind of read it so now i'm like oh yeah okay everyone was right but still like had to make sure that I wasn't totally tainted by everyone else. So.
2: Oh, I totally like posted my little review in the random chat. <laughs> oh, no.
1: Yeah. I uh, had to institute a <laughs> site-wide ban on spoilers because I was really worried specifically about Carlos. Cause I'll just say that I would have told him to his face. But <laughs> I was really worried Carlos was going to start spoiling it for everyone because you know, he gets excited. He likes to talk about things. But I was like, I swear, if this movie gets spoiled for me, I'm seeing it a day after everyone else is, So, like, this is going to be intense. They better not spoil it at all. But, you know, you were good Carl about it. texting
3: me, like, that he had many problems. But then it's just, no. It was just, uh, what was it? What was the one, like, the one problem you had?
2: I have one problem. And it is uh, Captain America at the end when he's old. That uh that part is it just bothers me and it, it really shouldn't cause like the rest of the movie has so many good moments. And the
3: ending is so heartfelt, but it it yeah, it's I was I was spending a lot of time last night trying to piece that together. And I think I almost had something, but I don't I don't know.
2: You wanna know something terrible? Oh boy. <laughs> so after I saw the movie and I thought about it and I was like Old cap doesn't make any sense, but I was like, I really don't wanna like dislike anything about this movie. So for that reason I like convinced my friend to like go with me again and we went to see it again and it still bothered me and then I still couldn't accept it. So like today I was actually like researching like quantum mechanics to be like, maybe it can be like scientifically proven and it's okay, but I don't understand any of it, so like yeah, I'm I'm just gonna continue to think it's weird.
0: Why do you have such a problem with that? Oh, I
2: mean, well, because like the, the whole movie operates on multiverse theory, right? So like when they go back in time and they make a change that creates a parallel universe and it doesn't affect their timeline, right? So the whole movie is like that, right? So technically if someone were to stay in one of the timelines that they create, when they make a change, they would be living in an alternate reality. But at the end of the movie, when Cap goes back in time, he doesn't come back through the machine or anything. He's just on the bench old, right? Implying that he lived his life in our timeline, but that's not possible because he changed things, you know?
3: It could, because think about it, how Cap goes in the ice and then and there he stays for 75 years. Cap present day Cap goes back in time lives out his life and he just doesn't do anything that's a night that's like and then it's sort of like how in Dan slots silver surfer where closer to the end like when secret wars stuff starts happening the silver surfer and uh oh my god I'm forgetting the and the girl he's with they they basically wait out like a thousands of years until the universe has to restart itself with Galactus and stuff like that. But so basically when their universe restarts, Silver Surfer is like going through his life, but then the proper Silver Surfer is shown in the background, just like hiding until the moment where we, we catch up to the present and the other Silver Surfer goes back in time and the proper Silver Surfer can reshow himself. That's what I kind of think this is, is that it's Cap sort of... He, he Cap in the present, goes back, puts the Infinity Stones away, and then just stays in the past, and then he reappears when quote-unquote future slash pr- other present Cap goes back in time, and then he's there again. And then, I don't know. No, I know what
2: you're, I know what you're getting at. I was talking to my friend about it, And he's like, Carlos, stop nitpicking the movie. And I was like, I'm sorry, Uh, but he told me that like we don't know what he did in the 70 years, so maybe like while he was wherever, like he could have done something else to make it make sense. And I'm like, that's fine, like if they explain it in the future. But like for now, I just don't think it works, especially because he shows up with the shield, and it's like that doesn't make sense because he went in back in time with just the stones and the hammer. So where did you get the shield?
1: Um, His wife is Peggy Carter. What do you mean, where did he get the shield? I have a lot of issues with your opinion on this right now.
2: (laughs) Jordan, but that's the point. If he got the shield from Peggy, then our Captain America never got the shield.
1: Fair, but also like Matt said, you don't know what happened. So what if they made a duplicate or what if they figured out another way to replicate it? Or what if it's something different?
2: But here's the thing, Jordan. We don't know because it's not told to us in this movie.
1: Exactly, which means you just have to accept it because, again, this is a movie and they don't have to explain everything. And I feel like Jesse's on my side with this one.
0: I'm totally with you.
3: (laughs) If I may, Cap, I think Cap went back after Cap in the past went in the ice. So that Captain America has the shield. And basically Cap that goes into the past could have just gotten another one. I feel like that's easy enough. I don't know.
1: Yeah, because when they went back in time the first time, it was after Steve had already been in the ice. So if he goes back and stays there with those, that makes sense. This
3: is why, this is like why typically, we, we don't like time travel, because it's such a fucking mess.
1: <laughs> but see,
2: that's, that's why it like bothers me, because the movie does it so well. Like, it does it so well up until that point, like five minutes before it ends. And that's why it like got on my nerves, because I was like, oh, you were like so close to perfection, and now it's like... There this- needs to be
3: an interview with the Russos where they explain this.
1: Well, I'll be honest, though. It's not needed. Like, You're already supposed to suspend your understanding of how reality works when you watch any movie in general, let alone movies with talking raccoons, with people <laughs> going to space, with people jumping from place to place. Like, come on. Like, how many... Star Trek episodes really explain how stuff like that works there. So I feel like you specifically nitpicking this is like almost too much. Like, are you really trying to find fault with this movie? Because that's kind of what it sounds like.
0: I'm not trying. I just noticed it. Well, And also, you know, I mean, could you ask for a better end to Cap's storyline? I mean, if they're going to find a way to get him out, that's the best way. And I was thinking when he traveled back, I was thinking we just weren't going to see him again. We were just going to assume he went back. And I was like, oh, that's... Kinda lame. Like I wanted to see his goodbye and that's exactly what we got when he was on the bench. You know, we saw him, you know, pass the torch to Falcon, which is exactly what I wanted. And, you know, we got that closure to his story. Whereas if we just stuck with the alternate realities theme, we wouldn't have gotten anything. We would have just seen Cap disappear and we would have never known what happened. I
2: think they could have just shown him disappear and then cut to him dancing with Peggy or meeting up with Peggy and then end it. And we didn't have to see him reappear old because that's the only thing that breaks it but that's that's the, literally the only complaint i have with the movie
1: yes i agree with what you're saying but we need a captain america and the only way for that to properly happen was going to be for steve rogers to pass off cap to someone else because like in the comics when steve dies but that gets retconned but like he's dead Anyway, when Steve dies in the comics, the passing of the Captain America mantle to Bucky was not smooth. It was not good. It didn't go well because it wasn't Steve Rogers handing it down. It was them being like, well, crap, Steve Rogers died. We have to, like, fill in the gap somehow. So for Steve to just, like, leave and not pass it off, I think, let alone, like, the fans, but the people in the movie would have been like, what do we do? Like, no one else can be Cap because, like, it was his and like that's what's happening. So I agree, kind of, but at the same time, like it had to happen like this in my opinion. So it also could have been Bucky. So there's like that. Whole. I was
3: I I had said for forever that it was gonna be Bucky and then it was Sam, and I was I was completely okay with that. I thought the way they handled that whole moment was perfect. I, 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 I was like Wow, they're actually going to do Sam Wilson Captain America. Cool. Also, theory time. Oh, I'm I'm betting they give it like a month or two, maybe maybe a few months, and then they're gonna cause we got that Falcon Winter Soldier show coming out. I gonna th- I think they're gonna switch. They're gonna be like, oh, J.K. It's Captain America and the Winter Soldier, and it's gonna be Sam Cap and Bucky. So, I should say Sam as Cap with Bucky doing stuff i think that's what it's gonna be it's either that or it'll be like falcon sam still being falcon trying to get into the role of cap and then maybe the show ends with that as like sam is like officially yeah i'm gonna do this and then in the movies we can get proper sam wilson captain america i don't know but i think that's i think that's gonna be a big a big part of the show now is sam trying to be cap
2: yeah i just hope he shaves his
3: i think i dig it
2: What's wrong with the beard? I can't picture the beard with a Captain America helmet on He it, doesn't
3: right? wear a helmet.
1: Yeah, if his costume changes, which it probably will. Go read some Capcomics and look at Sam's costume.
2: Well, he has like goggles and stuff. I don't know.
1: I don't think that that's going to be like the weirdest part of Sam Wilson as Captain America. But, you know, to each their own. What do you think about Sam, Jesse?
0: I mean, I'm pretty happy that he became Captain America. I mean, throughout this series of movies, I was wondering if it was going to be passed to Bucky or to Sam. But I mean, with the direction that the movies are heading, you know, we're seeing Captain Marvel taking a huge role. So seeing a woman in like the leading role. And now we're getting um, a black male in the role as well. So I think that's awesome for the direction the movies are headed. And I'm, you know, I'm really excited to see where Sam takes the role of Captain America.
1: But I am too. I was thinking kind of last night, what to do with this transition. And I think part of it comes from Natasha's death is part of the reason why Sam is Cap. Obviously, like, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens and, you know, how they write movies. But the way that Bucky storyline works, in the comics at least, is that Natasha is, like, kind of right there by his side. And with her not being around, I think it would be a weird transition to have Bucky as Cap because he just isn't in that place at least not in the movies I wouldn't be surprised if eventually they get there if they're like well Sebastian Stan like here you go you're getting your opportunity but yeah so I think that kind of has to do some has something to do with it because Sam Wilson is able to stand on his own I think more than Bucky can right now and I think that that was a good choice yeah I didn't have any problems with it myself but I like seeing Captain America on screen. It doesn't really matter to me who it is. No,
2: yeah, I think I think Sam was the better choice. Plus, if they got uh, Bucky to be capped, then he would really need a shave because he does wear the Captain America helmet. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But uh,
1: He'd probably need to cut his hair, too. I'm not sure all of it would fit <laughs> under the helmet. <laughs>
2: it just doesn't make sense he can't be cap you know what i mean but i wonder if they'll give falcon like the super soldier serum or something a- akin to that or if they'll just keep him powerless because you know
3: i suspect they'll they'll do it like the comics he's just he's just powerless he's just got a suit and he just learns to be good with the shield kind of thing
1: so what did you guys think of natasha's death
0: i was crying like a Me baby too. <laughs> I mean, that whole scene was perfect. I mean, you were wondering who was going to take the plunge, and, like, they just fight each other to see who takes it, and I couldn't ask for more, you know, because I couldn't just watch one of them watch the other one jump off the ledge, you know? Just, I don't know. And it had to be Natasha because, you know, Hawkeye has his family and everything, and she unfortunately doesn't. So the best option they could have done was Natasha. I think it was an incredible
3: way to conclude her arc throughout this whole... Whole, I guess, for her, it'd be exactly ten years. When was Iron Man two? Was that yeah, yeah? yeah. yeah. So that'd be a that'd be a proper decade. Um, because she she says it in in the first act is that she used to have nothing except like all these false identities and stuff. Her life was arduous, I think, at best. And then she gets the Avengers, and that that like fills her life. And then when it's sort of taken from her because of Thanos and like her job is just sort of a train wreck. And then like, then she has to properly try, she tries so hard to get it back. And then if, but I I think the whole way it pans out is dramatic. It's, and it's fulfilling for her cause she gets to, she gets to do something like that one last act of heroism and then that sort of became a ramble but i, I, I hope the point is not lost that it was a, it's a good way to conclude her arc you know
2: no yeah i totally agree i um i really liked uh hawkeye and black widow in Endgame i thought they were like one of the best parts and i and i really liked how it sort of reversed like their dynamic in the first avengers Because in the first Avengers, you know, Natasha is always talking about, like, I got red in my ledger, I gotta wipe it out, or whatever. And she talks about how she's grateful to Hawkeye for, like, getting her out of that. And Endgame, like, totally turns that on its head, because now it's Hawkeye that's, like, killing random agents. And, (laughs) you know, uh, now he has to atone for his sins. Her sacrifice gives him the opportunity to be a hero, and I like that. And I like how it tied together her arc. So... I thought that was just a really good scene. And yeah, I mean, I agree, Matt. Like, I thought it was awesome.
1: I...
3: (laughs) Oh, Jordan didn't like it.
1: (laughs) I just, I have a little bit of a problem with it being Natasha because if Clint had died, that would have opened the gate really easily for Kate Bishop to kind of step in or some semblance of Kate in the MCU. And I think Hawkeye is kind of played out in a sense within the MCU that I don't think Natasha is or was. But I don't, I mean, I like watching the movie, I was like fine with it. Like I kind of felt like Jesse, like, yeah, okay. I totally get this. I totally understand. But thinking about it more, I think that there's way more that they could have done with Natasha. And I mean, she is getting her own solo film, which clearly will be a prequel now, but I still think that there's more that they could have done, could have had her training more of them and kind of had, more of that relationship versus like Clint I mean like he has his family and I get that aspect of things but also like uh, Natasha had a family too which was the Avengers and most of them are still around too so I'm kind of conflicted and I don't know because like Cap and Tony are gone too so like it kind of makes sense that Natasha also isn't there but at the same time I'm not sure that I really not agree but like I could have seen her going farther down the MCU than I can see Clint right now.
2: I understand. I, I, like, I, get, your, I get your thing. I kind of just suspected that she would die anyway because, because of the rumors that her Black Widow film was going to be a prequel. I was like, well, why wouldn't they just do it in the present? That's like more interesting to me. And I was like, well, maybe it's because she dies. Uh, so I kind of I saw it coming a little bit. Um, but I, I really liked how it was done personally. I don't know. What about you, Jesse?
0: I mean, I think, you know, you guys bring up good points. And I think, uh, you know, first of all, I was never really a big Hawkeye fan of the film, in the films. And after this movie, seeing him as Ronan, you know, I got super excited. He was a badass. Um, but I also think that where Natasha had, you know, read in her ledger before, I think we saw her character develop and she was able to face that, those facts and face what she'd done in the past and accept that she just has to atone for it in the future. Whereas if we had Hawkeye die in that scene, we couldn't really see him progress and atone for, you know, his sins and atone for all the bad that he did when he was acting as Ronan through those five years. So I think it opens up, you know, more character development for Hawkeye where we really didn't have a lot before besides his family. So I think that's an awesome, you know, lead into progression for him.
1: That's true. Although I'm wondering how much of what he did as Ronin would like technically be classified as bad. I don't know, like Clearly they didn't totally agree with his methods, but but like he's ridding the world of bad people. So there is like that morality kind of spectrum too kind of trying to decide like, is it bad or is just like the way he's going about it bad versus like what he's actually doing?
3: I think it's the whole Clint Barton used to be a pretty clean guy in terms of how he handled things. and his whole like the whole dynamic switch for him comes as like a big moral i guess weight into like it's gonna that's gonna weigh him down. He has to get he has to get over that now. That this gives him room for like just said for him to further develop now. Whereas i think Black Widow has sort of had pretty much every appearance she's had has in one way or another built upon her character. Clint really didn't. Clint had like nothing in the first Avengers movie. He had something in Age of Ultron. He didn't really have anything in Civil War. It wasn't in Infinity. I
1: mean, he got Wanda. Well, yes,
3: his, his his. But even that is slim. I feel like in in the context of Civil War, you there's like that one scene of them, and that's about it. Here in in, in Endgame, I think is where you get his first proper arc within a film and then this this can be explored later down the line though i do agree with your point if he had died that could open up uh the gates for kate bishop but i think they could still do that because if it's if they do it like it's his daughter then that then that creates some really fun some fun dynamic stuff to work within like the show that they're gonna do for him or whenever they show up in the movies again, they can, they can have like their buddy, buddy cop type vibe to it, maybe. Something like that.
2: Yeah, I don't think they'll do Kate Bishop, but I think it will be his daughter. I mean, he's like teaching her how to do archery. He, he, he straight up calls her Hawkeye after she like shoots. Uh, but her name is Lila. So it's like not exactly the same, but I feel like it's pretty much the same dynamic. We'll we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, you know, he has a rumored Disney Plus show that I think we'll dive into that if it's true. I I think that sounds cool. I don't know. Um, I'm kind of interested in the Loki show, but not entirely. Uh, Like, I bring that up because that was sort of set up in Endgame also when he grabs the Space Stone. But the reason why I'm not, like, super interested in it Oh, is because that takes place in another timeline. So I don't feel as invested, but it's still Loki and he's likable. Unless they
3: they break the rules a little bit. And it's because my buddy, because my buddy mentioned a good point is that it could be Loki gets the stone, immediately goes back to Asgard and takes over as Odin in place of but like sort of skipping the events of dark world and then however those events play out they just do so maybe maybe it's and then ragnarok can still happen loki well no because then he'd he'd still be dead i don't know i think i think it is likely just an alternate reality thing it's going to be just a loki got away type deal but i'll have to wait and see
1: well, I mean, speaking of other loose ends, there's also the Vision and Scarlet Witch show that's coming. Vision's still dead. Exactly, that's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, we didn't see Vision at all in Endgame. He wasn't even mentioned. I don't- oh, wait, he was?
1: Yeah, she talks about him at the end. With-, with Hawkeye. Yeah.
3: I was, I was expecting them to maybe do White Vision. Like, he comes back and he's just sort of blank. But... Nah, he's maybe maybe they'll do that later down the line, but as of right now, nah he's still very dead. Heimdall Vision, proper MCU version of Loki is still dead. Uh old past Gamora is dead no, no.
1: Our present Gamora present
3: Gamora is still dead, yes. <laughs> I don't know where did past Gamora go?
0: I don't know.
1: Well, technically she couldn't leave, right? So she's just floating around somewhere.
0: Did they they didn't show her die right. I mean, no. You know.
3: My my buddy mentioned and because I missed this, but um, my friend told me that when they're on the guardian ship at the end, one of the screens Quill has up it mentions like searching mm-hmm. for yeah. Gamora. Mm-hmm. I missed that, but apparently that was a thing. How did so... you missed that?
1: That was like the whole point of him standing by himself for that like whole part of that beginning I know. scene.
3: I was sort of just I was waiting on because then <laughs> Thor showed up and it was being a goof, and I'm like, yeah. I was kind of just looking at Quill being solemn. I wasn't really focusing on what's around him. But this is why I'm trying to go again tonight, actually. I'm trying to go see it again.
2: (laughs) That scene with with Star-Lord and Thor is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. Speaking
3: of drunk Thor, at first I'm like, oh my god, here we go. But then I start to think, no, this is actually a very logical next step for this character because, you know, he's got he literally has nothing Except the weight of his own failure, so yeah, why not wallow in self pity? But my only problem with it was there were just a few moments of him that I thought were that overstayed their welcome, like the end with Star Lord. I thought could have you could have clipped like fifteen seconds off that scene, and you would have been fine. But but other but otherwise, no. I think the the whole. Drunk Thor thing on the surface, though it's goofy, has a really dark undertone. That is that is perfect for the character's arc. He also just looked extremely badass in the end when he powers up.
0: Thank God,
1: see What do you think?
0: I mean, that Thor was absolutely hilarious. And the second I saw him, I started dying. And you know, it's funny because I saw it with my girlfriend, and she always loves Thor in the movies because of how great he looks. And she, when we saw Thor. She was kind of like, ah, damn. (laughs) So, um, but you know, I agree. It brings up great character development for him. And I think if he's with the Guardians now, he's going to be in Guardians 3. So I think we can see him kind of deal with the fact that, you know, he had to face his failures in Endgame. Whereas before he was mainly successful, you know, we haven't really seen him fail like we did in Infinity War and Endgame. So I'm really excited to see where they take it. Uh, I thought he was amazing and super badass when he had the axe and the hammer. I was, oh my gosh, I was freaking out at how cool he was. And also, you know, Cap picking up the hammer was amazing. I was freaking out in the theater. I absolutely lost it. Because once they
3: destroyed the hammer in Ragnarok, I dismissed any idea of Cap getting, getting to pick it up. And then even when they take the hammer back from the past, I was like, it didn't come to my mind. And then it, as the movie's playing out, Thor's about to get stabbed with Stormbreaker. My brother, I'm seeing him with my brother and my sister-in-law. My brother's all the way to the left. Sister-in-law's in between us. My brother, like you see Mjolnir start to lift off the ground a little bit. My brother starts reaching over and starts tabbing on me. And I'm like, what? And then I'm like, oh my God, this is it. Cap's going to wield the hammer. And it was fucking awesome. It was so cool.
1: There are so many moments in this movie that I would call a highlight, but that one was like insane. The theater I was in was like packed and it was all like college students. Cause I went to the like super late showtime, and everyone was just like, Oh my gosh. And like yelling at this point. I was like, thank goodness there's no like audio happening because I'd be pissed that I couldn't hear anything, but I'm like so into this that I totally get the feeling. And he, and he just
3: goes into it. Like he's a complete,
0: like he just knows what he's doing already. I'm like, thank God. This is awesome. I wanted to, like, rewind some of his moves to see them again. I mean, they were awesome. Like, he flung the hammer into him and hit the shield with it. I mean...
2: I mean, yeah, it was awesome. (laughs) Um, He was surprisingly good with the hammer. I liked the combos. It made me sad to see his shield get all destroyed. I was like, no, the shield is so pretty. It mimicked,
3: like, almost exactly how it was in Age of Ultron.
2: Yeah, and the vision, and the vision, yeah. No, I... I appreciate I appreciate the attention to detail. You know, I feel like this is like attention to detail the movie, because um, of all the fan service. But you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, it was really cool. I really I think the fan reactions like in the theater make the movie so much better. Uh, like there were some times where I felt like I was like at an MMA fight. Or like a concert or something. My theater was so like loud and rowdy, um, and I participated. I'm not going to pretend right. like I'm a saint. Like when Spider- when Spider-Man showed up, I like got up. and oh, said, yeah. that's my boy. And, oh yeah.
1: no, you got up so someone couldn't see sitting behind you. That's rude, man. <laughs> Come on. A lot of people were standing up. Okay, seriously. I'm just- wow, that's really bad theater etiquette. I do not care how hype this movie is.
2: It was really awesome. I'm just saying it was cool. I was clapping. I was cheering.
1: Anyway, okay. So other highlights of the movie, what were some for you? Guys?
3: Tony, Tony Stark. Holy shit! I for for a while I heard a while back this theory, and I immediately dismissed it because I thought it was really stupid. Is that like they're they're playing up the whole Tony's arm being injured kind of deal, and it's like, oh no, that's because they're teasing. He's gonna wield the gauntlet, or he's, and I'm like nah, it's kind of dumb. And then it happened. And I'm like, well, shit. And then he died. I had pegged it as Cap was gonna die and Tony was gonna retire. Boy, was I fucking wrong.
1: <laughs> it doesn't surprise me, though. Like, in hindsight. No.
3: it. Mm, I, I think it did. It did surprise me. Because I, I, I didn't think in a million years they'd actually kill Tony Stark.
1: Yeah, but... RDJ is getting old. He is. So, and plus, like, if he just retired, then you know they would have made him cameo in Spider Man and all the rest of the Spider Mans until eternity. Which is fine, though.
2: No, it's not fine.
1: Yeah, but Peter Parker needs to, like, grow and become someone not just under Tony Stark's shadow.
2: Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's going to be sad, though, without him. I'm so happy he's dead. I'm sorry, like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, good. Whoa, that's hard. <laughs>
2: I'm happy he's dead.
0: Well, wow, Iron Man hater, huh?
2: I love him, but there's no other way to go. I mean, he's been in almost every movie. He's even invaded other people's movies, Homecoming. That's I said that like very negatively, but I'm just saying like he's been everywhere. And if they kept him alive, they would eventually have to recast if they still wanted Iron Man in there. Or they would have done, like, a CGI Tony Stark, you know, like how they're doing in the Star Wars movies. And I just, I don't want to deal with that. Uh, plus, him dying is, is, is better for every other character. Because everyone, like, every character in the MCU has interacted with Tony on, like, a personal level at some point. So they all get to react. It's just, like, the best decision. I don't know. I've been wanting him to die since, like, 2016. Like. So, I don't know. I'm glad it happened. I was so happy when it did. And I love that his last words were, I am Iron Man. That was awesome.
1: That was epic. Of course they were. Like, of course. That wasn't me hating. That was just me saying, like, yeah, they had to be. There's no other way to, like, end Tony Stark's life.
2: I'm kind of going to go off topic a little bit here. But I really like all the callbacks, like, throughout Endgame. And I really liked when he shows up to the Avengers Mansion. Like after figuring out time travel, uh, Captain America like greets him and he and and Tony says like, I just want peace. And he like throws up the gang sign and I'm like, oh, that's just like an Iron Man one.
3: Oh, Oh, you didn't catch that the first time? (laughs) No, I saw him do it. I remember.
1: Matt's learning so much on this podcast. No, no, no.
3: I remember him doing that. I I did not make that connection though. Holy shit.
1: The, like, Hail Hydra scene with him in the elevator, that was a great callback, you guys. I died. They
3: found a way to make Captain America say Hail Hydra on the big screen, and if Nick Spencer was not the happiest guy watching that scene, I'd be really fucking pissed. Holy crap. That was
0: hysterical.
2: They did it so good. And I love how they recreated like the exact cinematography of it, too. like The, the framing of the shots and everything. I like I assume so much. we
3: were all waiting for him to say, it, before we get started, does anyone want to get out? We were all waiting for that, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: No. Wh- why were you waiting for that? Why would he say that? That doesn't make any sense. He's trying to be undercover. That makes no sense. What are you talking
0: it was exactly like Winter Soldier, so I mean, it would be the perfect you setup. Beat I mean, their asses and still be undercover.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't make that literally doesn't make sense in the context of that scene. Why would Cap immediately try to beat up everybody in there when he's trying to be undercover, trying to get this thing from them? If he didn't do that, they would have known something was wrong.
2: Well, they still figured out something was wrong because Cap ended up fighting himself. So okay,
1: but that's different. That's not the same. Why would you expect him to be fighting all of these guys in the elevator? Literally, like, however many years before Winter Soldier happens. Like, come on. I can't believe you're waiting for that. Guys, come on. I had more faith in you than that. Come on. Come on. Are you kidding me?
3: That's so logical.
1: I'm defending Matt.
2: I'm just defending Matt because the setup
3: was the same. I'm just... I'm, I'm,
1: exactly. but Because like, he wh- could do
3: it. And it would be fine. <laughs> the mission would be fine. He could do it.
1: That makes no sense.
3: But yo, for real, that definitely is the ass of America. First meme of Endgame confirmed.
2: I, I really wonder what the, what the memes are going to be like, because there's a lot of memeable moments, like when Hulk dabs. I love that. This so is
3: what we do now, going into Marvel movies, especially the big ones. We think, hey, what's the meme going to be?
1: I like the ones without context, the, like, no context spoiler pictures. So I'm waiting for those. I've been really impressed that, like, the internet has been good about not.
2: There's only there's only one. <laughs> there's
1: want- only one, what, meme circulating or just?
2: No, I want that to be a meme. Like, when strange. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Although I have seen a lot of like weird creepy tweets about Hulk so I need that oh, to he's go so away. Sexy. He's so sexy. No, you were, Carlos. I'm pretty sure you tweeted that. And I was going to respond and be like what are you talking about? This is he's your, so sweet. <laughs> I'm with
0: you. I'm with you Carlos. There he you looks great. You. I mean he he's got great. Sexy. I'm not saying yeah.
1: that but it's like creepy the way everyone is like People are saying that.
2: I'm saying that for sure. Within my friend group, I was like the only one freaking out about that cuz after we left the movie I was like, "Guys, like Hulk was so sexy." And they were like, "Carlos, you're crazy." But then I started getting texts from like other people that had seen the movie, like my mom, like my mom. I was like, I was like, "Mom, wasn't Hulk so sexy in this?" And she's like, "He was." That was weird.
3: And I was like, I like "Except it. why was it the whole the first like fat drunk Thor scene when Hulk is trying to be supportive?" Why is it the whole scene? He looked like he was smiling. Well, he's
2: just likable, you know? He's like, come on. Come on, buddy. (laughs) like, let me help (laughs)
3: you.
2: Well, he's sexy. He's likable. He's sexy. He smiles. He's kind. I will say,
3: I really, I was hoping that scene would take a a more dramatic route because it's Banner, like, opening up, trying to open up to Thor and be like, yeah, you saved me from, like, a really dark spot. But Thor is too fucking drunk to give a shit about that. So that, I feel like it kind of gets a little ruined but not not completely i think i think that's that's how i feel like that's that's kind of how real life goes you know when you're you're trying to talk legit with your drunk friend and they just don't care because they're drunk i feel like i feel like everyone might have that moment once and once or twice for sure no, i love good. how poetic it is that they started with cap and they ended with him you're gonna make me cry matt stop it
1: please cry on this podcast <laughs>
3: So here's I didn't cry like at all. I f- see I think for me there was just so much emotion all at once that tears would not I felt like tears were trying to come out but they didn't. I felt I was crushed. I was really like heartbroken with all like with the like the the end of the third act. But like I couldn't cry. It was weird. And I- but then in retrospect, like, I'm, I'm driving home after the movie, and I start just thinking about stuff, and then I start crying. I'm like,
0: hey, hey you late? Yeah,
2: I, I teared up. The moment where I teared up was during uh, Black Widow's death, actually. Like, that one made me tear up, but I didn't cry. just got watery-eyed. Um, but um, I should have cried at the very end with Peggy and Cap dancing because they even play, and this goes back to the Russo thing. They play; it's been a long, long time, and that song plays during one of my favorite scenes in like the whole MCU, where Nick Fury gets assassinated in the Winter Soldier. That song's playing in the background, so it is like the Russo brothers like injecting themselves, and ah, I should have cried there. I wish I, I, think I wish I did. The moment
3: <laughs> I came closest was uh. To crying was with um when tony died when he properly died and like pete's like feeling like no we won you can't die on me like that that sucked man why does tom holland make everyone cry
1: that is not <laughs> when i was crying i was like okay spider-man go away pepper needs to get to him and say goodbye i swear if you ruined this would. moment
2: Gwyneth Paltrow's like goodbye to Tony was like, really emotional. I really liked it, so I'm with Her you, Jordan.
3: Rescue and Iron Man back to back was sick. That was awesome.
2: Yeah, that was cool. That was like couple awesome. of goals, relationship goal.
0: Yeah. Also, that whole scene where it was like all the women, whim- the badass women standing together, like the- backing up. Um, it was the Captain Marvel with the gun? gun-, gun- yeah, that was. Awesome. Yeah, couldn't ask for more. I mean, it sets up, you know, we see all the badass guys all the time. And then finally we see like a group, like a really badass group of female characters and they kick ass, you know?
1: As they should all the time.
2: Yeah. I just liked, uh, well, I liked Captain Marvel's new outfit, but I liked um, when Thanos headbutts her and she doesn't move. I thought that was cool. Uh, that was like my favorite Captain Marvel moment in the movie. I guess. Wait, no, I retract that statement. My favorite Captain Marvel moment was when they're on the phone, like at the beginning, and she like calls Rocket Fur Face, like really sassily. I was like, oh, she has attitude. Okay, that's fun. So I don't know, but that's just me.
1: Although his joke about her getting another haircut killed me. I was like, oh, her hair is short. And then he said, I'm good and with the like- short
3: hair. I'm glad they did that.
0: I like that.
1: Wait, Jesse, did you cry at the end? Or I know you said you cried at Natasha.
0: Yeah, Natasha made me cry for sure when she was jumping off and they were having that battle. Um, but also I think uh, Pepper and Tony's goodbye made me tear up a little bit. Besides that, I'm not really a whole lot. I mean, Tony's funeral was sad and everything. And like seeing his daughter after was really sad. The cheeseburgers
3: um, line. Holy shit. Like, come on. You can't do that to me. This one
2: is one of my favorites in the whole movie. And not to get oddly personal, but like that, that, that funeral scene was really related. Like I really related to Morgan in that scene, how like the your loved one died and like you're too young to fully comprehend it. So you're just like, okay. But everyone else around you is like, Oh, he was the best. Oh, you're so much like him, and th- even like a small thing like cheeseburgers will like make them shed a tear while you're like, whatever. That was like really relatable, and like I, I really like that moment, and and I especially like it because obviously it's the director of Iron Man, like talking the legacy, and I like that. I don't know.
1: What do you guys think of the theme of love kind of throughout the whole thing? Because it's like blatantly there. I think it
3: works. I mean, cause especially when especially when that whole first act is so depressing. I think that you have this, this strictly powerful message to stick together, you know, work together, love each other so that, you know,
0: we get shit done. Kind of, I think that, I think that makes sense. I mean, I think it worked really well when, uh, you know, everything is so sad and depressing and everybody's miserable because they lost all of their loved ones. And then, you kind of see like the contrasting reality with Tony Stark's life after everything happened. I mean, what more could you ask for? You know, you're with love of your life. You have a beautiful daughter, you're away in this like tranquil home and yet everything around him is just so depressing. And it creates this, it was contrast between his life at the moment and how happy he is versus everybody else where they're miserable and depressed. And, you know, it really makes it even more impactful when he leaves to help them. You know, because he's stepping away from you know what everybody works for their entire life. You know, the happy, the happy ending. Um, to save everybody else and give everybody else a happy ending. So I thought it was amazing.
2: I like the family. I liked um not to go back to this moment like seventy times, but I liked when uh, Red Skull tells Black Widow like "Son of Ivan," and she's like, "I didn't even know his name. That's crazy that you knew that, buddy." Like, I I, I like that moment a lot. Um. And I really love the opening with Hawkeye and his family disappearing. I thought that was done really well. It's like the whole, like the first 20 minutes of the movie are so dope to me um, with, you know, the Hawkeye family and then Dear Mr. Fantasy with Nebula and Iron Man. Like that was cool. And then, oh my God, Tony's like breakdown at the beginning at the headquarters where he's all like skinny and angry and he's like yelling at cap and he, and he takes the chest plate. Oh, oh man, that was so good and so powerful. And his performance was awesome. And I like how he calls back like a suit of armor around the world. Like we lost together. Like, Oh man, that just, that's such a good scene. No, Sorry. that was, that's, I like I, it a lot.
3: That's when I knew like, Oh shit, this movie means business for, I think for, I think I knew that like when, Clint's family was gone, but but even then, like it, with that whole, with Stark's whole breakdown, digging into Steve like that, like that was that was rough. That was really bad. They did a good job making
0: him look like shit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you see him in the ship, all skinny and everything, I was like, damn, what has he been through? You know. So also it leads into that scene where they go you know, fight or go to fight Thanos for the first time in the movie. And I was so confused. I was so lost. Like they left Iron Man at home. They went to fight Thanos. He was limping after they killed him. I was like, shit, what What do we do now?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Although my buddy and this quick side note, my buddy and I, uh, we clarified a potential plot hole because in Captain Marvel, the after credit scene is her showing up in response to the pager. But then in the movie, she just shows up and we're like, wait a minute that doesn't make sense but then we're like no she showed up first on earth and then it was likely the avengers told her hey go find iron man and nebula because we need them and then she went went. no yeah
1: oh yeah yeah
2: yeah no that i i got that right away especially because
1: yeah because like why would carol just be like smiling when she comes upon it yeah of course
2: but but also in in the post credit scene Steve has the full beard and like the first thing we see of Steve is him finishing shape so like time wise i can make i don't know anyway like
3: yeah yeah, yeah that's how the, it happened the beginning can we talk Thanos I felt like I was very 50-50 with Thanos because he has his whole his incredible arc in Infinity War. Infinity War is his movie pretty much um but here, I mean, I think I wanted more of him, not in the sense of, not even in the sense of just, like, maybe even character growth. Just I just wanted more of him because I just wanted to enjoy Josh Brolin pre- playing this incredible villain. And then, but then, like, present-day Thanos dies in, like, the first five minutes. So then I'm like, okay, interesting. And then you pull Thanos from the past in, and I'm like, well, this is cool, but this isn't a Thanos that's had his entire emotional arc. It was kind of like, for me, it was like when Dr. Octopus came back in the, clone, in the comics during Clone Conspiracy. Cool cool, cool idea, but this isn't Doc Ock that's gone through the whole Superior Spider-Man redemption arc. It's just evil Doc Ock for the sake of it. That's what this kind of felt like for me in Endgame, is it's just bringing like, Thanos back in sort of like somewhat to just bring him in. But then at the same time, he figures out everything. He figures out most of what happens in the movie via Nebula. So he can kind of relate to the arc, but also obviously this isn't his movie. This is just, he has to be the bad guy here so that he's just really powerful and evil. It fits, especially because you can still, you still know he's still got the same mindset of, I'm still trying to do this to save the universe. It's just now it, in the end, it just gets a lot more aggressive. I love I love the, his whole line of it's like this has never been personal for me in my whole cosmic conquest to save the universe, but what I'm about to do to the Earth is going to make me really happy. I thought that was awesome.
2: Yeah, no, I really like Thanos in this movie. I liked seeing the differences between like this younger, like more ruthless Thanos. And you can even, like, I feel like he even looks a little younger with the CGI. Like, I feel like they made him look a little younger. Like,
1: a little less battle-worn is kind of what he looked like to me. Not necessarily, like, younger, but more like he just hasn't had the, like, fighting experience.
2: I think it's the 5 o'clock shadow, because he kind of has one in Infinity War. But I, maybe it's not there in this one. Uh, maybe I'm reaching.
3: I don't I know. I feel like the CGI in this one was, like, okay. I felt like... I think banners like banner like Hulk looked a little weird sometimes.
2: I really like the way Hulk looked in Endgame. He looks sexy, he looks good, he has hair again, like in Avengers One, like, oh I don't know. I just oh, I think he looks awesome. And the facial expressions that Mark Ruffalo does, like in that restaurant scene in that restaurant scene with Ant Man when he's talking to the kids and he's like laughing with them and like like, he licks his lips, like, those little, like, human, like, movements. They're, like, they really sell the CGI for me. I thought he looked awesome. But, no, yeah, there are, like, a few moments where the CGI could be a little better, maybe. For I, Thanos,
3: I thought there were a few, like, odd moments, especially when you get him full stature in his armor. I feel like there were some moments where I feel like his neck was close to non-existent because armor was a bit bulky. I don't know.
2: Yeah, the armor does like cover. It doesn't do him any favors. <laughs> He's not as sexy as an Infinity War.
1: <laughs> but it's also like, uh, what, five to ten years younger Thanos? Who comes? like, Or five to six years? I don't know. Whatever that timeline is, at least five years, plus like whatever since 2014. Josie, so. I feel like you have opinions on Thanos that you haven't expressed yet.
0: Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I kind of loved how we saw the younger Thanos and... You know, I think we still get that emotional connection to him or his emotional arc because he sees, like, his goals completed. He sees everything he's wanted his life completed, and then, you know, he sees the I am inevitable, and he's like, yeah, I am inevitable. And then (laughs) we see him get his head chopped off. um, And he's just like, well, that's what happens. But it, it creates this interesting dynamic because now he's trying to prevent other people in a different timeline from, you know, stopping his endgame from stopping his the completion of his goals and his life dreams. And so I think we get a quicker um, progression of his story, but we still get some progression in his storyline. And I think it works really well. And, you know, I love how, you know, you were saying he has more anger towards the earth and he wants to destroy everything. Um, I think it contrasts a little bit his motives from Infinity War. Uh, but I think it works really well. And I didn't really notice his neck being gone at all so i was fine you bring a, a good
3: point of his motive sort of contrasting because i feel like it's both a contrast and a natural progression for him given what the this thanos learns like yeah like i can see why him wanting to just recreate the universe from scratch like it makes sense it's it feels like a natural progression for him uh, as, as dark and sudden as it might, as it might seem at first.
0: And it's also like, he's adopting, like he's picking up where his for- other self left off, you know, his other self did half the job and then the Avengers are working to stop. Him, and he's like, well, I'll pick up where I left off in this other universe and I will, you know, complete this and do it in his right way.
2: Guys, don't hate me. I might be nitpicking the movie again here, but, um, when Matt said, I wish there was more Thanos, it suddenly like clicked with me. And I kind of totally agree because like, during the first two acts, there's not really any conflict for the heroes. The, like, there's no conflict until Thanos is introduced in 2014 again. And I think that might be part of the reason why it's like, pretty slow in the first half and then it just goes crazy fast in the end. And I think the movie could have benefited from like, having something... Like, going against the Avengers, like, during that first half of the movie where they're still, like, thinking about going back in time and stuff and first going back to, like, 2012 and stuff, you know? Like, because, you know, it just make it just picks up the pace a little more. Like, when you think about Infinity War, that movie moves so quickly because the whole time you're like, ah, protect the stones. They're, they're going after him, you know? But in this one, like, the threat isn't imminent until like halfway there when we see Thanos again. So that is kind of a good point, Matt. Um, I never even thought about that. And I'm putting all the blame on you for
1: bringing it up. Well, I'm going to totally disagree with both of you. So (laughs) it works out. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't think you're nitpicking, but I disagree because mainly from the fact that Infinity War and Endgame were shot as one big movie. So if you're watching them like all, what, like five, six hours worth going from, like, Thanos immediately killing everyone to, like, jumping into the beginning of Endgame, I think that works perfectly because you can't have that, like, extra set of action in there when, like, you came all the way from Infinity War. Like you said, that moves at, like, the quickest pace, I think, of one of, like, all the MCU movies to then, like, have this one section where you kind of need to, like, slow down because, like, jumping from that movie into this movie because it's all supposed to be one big story. But I also like agree with your point as if you're just watching it as a solo movie, like I could see that, but I don't agree because of how it was shot and how it's intended to be viewed. That's just kind of what the Russo brothers were intending when they started filming the movies and putting them all together. So I think leaving Thanos out is good, but I can also feel that like slowdown you're talking about, but I don't think it's a bad thing.
0: I was just going to say, I kind of loved the slowdown in the movie because it gives you this sense of hopelessness that all the other characters feel. You know, they killed Thanos. He destroyed the stones. Like, what the hell are they going to do now? You know, so it just, I think the slowdown is good. And I think it works better if you watch the movies consecutive, like you said. But I still think it works well as a solo movie because, you know, you just feel this hopelessness through the first act. And you're just like, shit, what are they going to do? And then, you know, Ant-Man comes in and I freaking love Ant-Man. He's hilarious and he gives them this hope you know he brings in the hope of the quantum realm and everything so i, but I mean
2: no i mean you guys are right cuz there there probably wouldn't have been any time like there's so many there's so much happening in the first act and yeah it's slow but it's slow because they go to like every avenger um and they see like what they're up to and how they've changed and there's like new information in almost every scene so i feel like if you also included a an opposing force during that like Maybe it, would have been, maybe it would have felt too packed or something. I don't know. So it, it probably wouldn't have worked either way. But
3: I don't yeah. think there isn't a conflict, so to speak, in the second act. I think the, the overall, what you might call the conflict, is that they just have to fix what Thanos did. That's their driving factor. And then in each of the moments, I think you have personalized conflicts, whether they be external or internal. I think for the big three, for Iron Man, uh, Cap, and Thor, those are all just emotional, internalized conflicts because they just have to drop into these moments where they have to think about, do we focus on the mission or do we give in to, like, especially Thor, like, he knows, like, there's Jane. I can go talk to her again, or I can just, or he cannot. And then he, he, he meets with his mom. And he really wants to tell her, like, "Hey, be careful! You're gonna die now." But he can't do that. You get Cap, like Cap. It really, probably, really wanted to go speak with Peggy, but all he ha- all he gets to do is just kind of stand there, somewhat creepily. I think I'll allow it because I, I enjoy those two together so much. But um, and then, of course, the I, the the Tony and Howard thing was wonderful. That was great. I was I was almost hoping Tony would lean in a bit more and try to do even more hinting at like, Hey, I might be your son. But at the same time, like, no, like he, he drops like enough hints, like, Hey, be good to your kid and whatnot. All that stuff. Like it it was, it was really nice. I really
2: like how he says that his last name is Potts. That was cute.
0: also I loved, uh, now we're talking about, you know, them going back in time. I loved how, you know, the flashbacks to all these scenes of previous Marvel movies, I feel like felt like it was the perfect send off for the last Avengers movie. You know, like we saw the Avengers after they captured Loki, and also you know the Guardian scene uh, with Quill dancing. I was absolutely dying at that scene when it's like playing the music loud and everybody's hearing it, and it like cuts to them just watching this idiot dance Brody. and sing. So he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was perfect
2: so many stairs i like that line. but my favorite i possibly my favorite scene in the whole movie is when cap fights his younger self and the young one is like i can do this all day it's and
3: and, like "Yeah, we got it
2: <laughs> that was so that was hilarious i think that's when i laughed the hardest but also the peter quill dancing one was really good too and the guardians of the galaxy send off at the end
3: with thor that was i think those were like the funniest moments there was a lot more humor than I thought there was going to be. Yeah,
1: but I think it works. Yes,
3: absolutely. I think that I think because going into it, like as the movie was playing out, my first thought was, "Oh God, yeah, this is going to be heavy time travel." And to and like as we said before, time travel is t- I'm, I'm at least typically not a fan of because it gets really messy. But it turns into such a great a. It's a great storytelling tool for the film. It's one of the film's best like ways to tell like a emotional story. And also it's a good way to remind you. Yeah, this is a comic book movie. We're allowed to have fun. We're allowed to be goofy. We're not supp- this isn't like, this isn't a depression fest here. Like we're, we're allowed to have some fun moments. So I'm glad they, they embrace that in spite of all the, the grim, the grim reasons behind having to go to all these goofy lengths to save the the world. In the universe at that
1: oh another great i was thinking about a goofy scene is when they first get back and they're like banner you gotta like act like the hulk did and he's like really <laughs> and he like goes out and like kind of smashes the car and is like "Ooh!" and then like ducks that scooter and is like "Ooh!" and i was like yeah
3: <laughs> which reminds me i'm like i wanted more proper hulk
2: yeah like rage hulk instead of banner
3: hulk. not even because in the comics like when banner is in control of the hulk he still does like proper hulk smash type stuff but we didn't get any of that he's just you just see the hulk that's about it
2: yeah he never had the opportunity to even fight like when they go back in time he doesn't fight anyone then when he gets back he snaps his hand and then his arm is destroyed so he never not the chance to even try I would,
3: I, would, I would have liked a bit more in that but but at the same time, I think for what the the purpose of the character serves here, I think it's fine it's not a detri- it's certainly not a detriment to the film it's just I, something I would have liked to have seen
2: maybe it was kind of like a meta or like maybe it was kind of like a behind the scenes decision because like Hulk was the strongest and then Thor was the strongest, and now Captain Marvel's the strongest, or maybe it was like well. We don't really need Hulk to fight anymore. I don't know. But I I liked what they did with him. I I don't really mind.
1: I was going to ask you guys where you think we kind of go from here. I mean, obviously, Spider-Man's coming out. But, like, there's a whole lot of other places to go.
2: Give me Doctor Doom now, please. I... And it's perfectly set up because there's a five year time gap where we don't know what happens. And I'm thinking a lot of countries probably didn't handle the snap very well. And who stepped up to save them? Doctor Doom. I need this to be the thing. I need Doctor Doom in this franchise. Except
3: they've said they're not going to act on the Fox uh, properties for like three, four years. So cool your motor.
2: Here's the thing maybe they'll wait five years and then do the Fox people because five-year time gap.
1: Yeah, but then that'll be confusing because then there's going to be other movies filling in that time.
2: But when you look at a lot of the movies coming out that we know of anyway, Far From Home is like
3: immediately after
2: Endgame. Apparently.
3: I don't think it will be.
1: I think it will be because of it ending this phase of the MCU.
3: Which I also think is bullshit.
1: It's because they couldn't keep it a secret. It definitely
2: takes place after after
3: Endgame, I mean, which to go back to the point of ha- what's what comes next in the MCU is because I had pegged it. I thought I figured Endgame was going to fix Infinity War, but I thought it was going to be like they just go back, so they make the events of in Infinity War not happen, so no one remembers, like because Infinity War never happened, so no one remembers it, and that's why it seems like in Far From Home everything's fine, but no, it's gonna. So if they don't address Endgame and far from home, I'm going to be a little upset cuz like Peter died. He remembered that and he came back to life. Well, he remembers,
2: he says like I pa- I think I passed out cuz oh I woke up and Doctor Strange is doing the thing with the circles and whatever. So he didn't really like experience like death death. He just feels like he passed out and wo- woke up and um I feel like far from home will slightly touch on it like uh I've been saying this for a while that far from home takes a lot of inspiration from Craven's last hunt. And one of the ways that it does that is that Peter comes back from the dead quote unquote. Right. And so for those reasons, I'm guessing for those reasons, he it's going to be justified that like, I want to take a vacation from being Spider-Man cause I have PTSD from fighting Thanos. Um, so I feel like that'll be the only way they address it though. maybe another way in in one of the trailers uh, happy and, and may are doing this like charity thing and they have like a big bill of a whole bunch of money that's probably stark money that he gave away in his will or something. I don't know it could be something to that effect and uh, I feel like but I feel like those will be the only ways that they touch on that subject because the way endgame sets it up, it really like. It, it it kind of is a little too convenient that everyone in Peter's life was snapped and therefore brought back and therefore nothing's really changed, you know? Like you would you would figure since like half of the population got snapped, you would figure like maybe maybe Aunt May stayed alive and she got five years older or any of Peter's friends, but apparently everyone he knows got snapped and so they're all the same age. It's just, you know, a different year, but everything is cool. Um so that could be like a little too convenient, but I mean whatever i'm I'm not going to complain too much about that really I, I, that one doesn't bother me no, like I said, there's only one thing that bothers me, and we can completely forget about it because I don't want to get roasted.
1: You already got roasted once he's meaning he doesn't want to get roasted again <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I know um, but you bring up a good point about the you know, not a lot changing I, I think I disagree with that because you know from end game he lost like his main role model in the superhero world in Tony Stark. And now he has to face a life without Tony leading him through it. And so, Jordan, you brought this up earlier that he can finally, you know, develop individually and, you know, kind of be independent from Tony Stark and not have to worry about, you know, all of his actions being the correct ones and look to Tony to tell him whether he's doing the right thing or not. Now he has to figure it out on his own. And I think, you know, Far From Home has to pick up where Endgame lost, because we can't just skip over that character progression. I mean, that's a a huge part of Spider-Man now.
2: No, yeah, for sure. Obviously, Peter will change as a character as a result of Endgame, but like his supporting cast, they look like they're completely fine. They're probably gonna make jokes about it. Like, remember when like five years passed? That was weird. so for the most part, like his supporting cast, like his world is pretty much the same. It's just him that's changed. Maybe Aunt May's changed and happy definitely. But I don't feel like Ned is going to be like, man, I'm suffering from PTSD from passing out for like a minute and then waking up and it being a different year. You know what I mean? But, um, and then the whole thing with Tony dying is like, that's expected, uh, that he would, nope, um, oh, yeah. nope. It, it's expected that like Peter would have to deal with that, and now they can finally they can finally have him mourn the loss of a father figure. Like, at, they really they really did make Tony the the Uncle Ben, um, and now in another interview, uh, John Watts said that Mysterio will be like his cool uncle, which is like another father figure for Peter again. I feel like they're giving him way too many father figures, but I haven't seen Far From Home, so I don't know how it'll play out. So, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about Far From Home. And I, I think it'll be good. I don't know. But we'll see. Um, yeah. I'm really curious about, like, Like I think Guardians of the Galaxy 3 looks more exciting than it ever has uh, with the addition of Thor.
3: Especially because now the, the film can happen because James Gunn's back. Well...
2: Yeah, I mean, I would have been fine if there wasn't a Guardians 3, but knowing that Thor will be in it, like, makes me want to see it a lot. I um, I really, I prefer the first Guardians to the second. um. So I wasn't, like, completely, like, losing my mind over James Gunn being back for a Guardians 3. I was like, okay, yeah, why not? Um, but now that I know, oh, Thor's going to be in it, that's, like... Okay, so they're doing something different with this one. That's really exciting. Oh, Gamora is like from the past and not a part of the crew anymore. That's like different. That's exciting. And I wonder, I wonder if adding Thor to the cast was partially to help James Gunn out, like with the controversy or whatever. Like, oh, for the people that are concerned about that, like, well, here's Thor, so that will like draw in more people. Because, and and I do wonder, like, if it's a blessing and a curse, because, um. You know, Thor's story wasn't completed in Endgame, uh, but I, I don't know how many more movies Hemsworth is willing to do or how much contract he has left to do. And if it's now James Gunn's responsibility to end Thor's story in Guardians, will that take away from the other Guardians? Um, how are they going to balance out the screen time, etc.? I'm just really curious about that movie now. I think Endgame did a really good job of setting that
0: up. One. Yeah, you know, I'm also super excited for Guardians 3. I think I saw Guardian, the first Guardians in theaters like six times. I freaking loved the movie. Uh, and, you know, I think it's awesome adding Thor because I was a little afraid, you know, I knew we were going to end Captain America's storyline. I knew we were going to end Iron Man's storyline. And I was afraid to end Thor's because I love him so much in the movies. But it's awesome that we're going to be able to see more of him and see his progression after Endgame, you know, when we see him, his downfall and now we get to see him build himself back up. I am a little interested to see how the dynamic between him and Quill works like it did in the end scene, but you know, overall I'm really excited for it. I'm also really curious what they're gonna do with Gamora because I loved her progression with Peter and I loved how that relationship was growing and what it was growing into, and now we just lost all of that. Have
2: you guys been reading the current Guardians of the Galaxy comic by Donny Cates? Well, in that story, uh, the first few issues are actually about finding Gamora because Thanos just died in, in, in like you know the comic book world, and he left behind a message that's like, oh, but I implanted my consciousness into someone to like con- complete my legacy, and then the whole universe goes crazy, and everybody thinks he put his consciousness in Gamora, so a whole bunch of bounty hunters are like looking for Gamora to kill her and Peter and the guardians are like, well, we need to find Gamora to protect her. And Peter Quill ends up dying in issue four after they find her. And so I wonder if they could, they could follow a similar, uh, sort of storyline. And I wouldn't be surprised because the MCU has been taking a lot of hints from like very recent comic books lately. Like infinity war was kind of inspired by Jonathan Hickman's run, which wasn't too long ago. And Oh, I really loved seeing Thor with two hammers in Endgame because it was like, oh, that's Jason Aaron Thor right there, like at the end of that storyline. Like that was hot. I like that. I like that a lot. So I, you know, I, I'm really curious about Guardians Three again. Ugh, I just I'm excited. Jesse, about it. to
3: comment on your point of Quill and Thor's relationship, I think what I would like to see them do with that is have Quill go through his process of reconciling that he kind of fucked up in the fight with thanos um and that maybe he's somewhat responsible for their their loss um but at like i think that's where that goes i think it, it their relationship is they have to grow from being like somewhat silent rivals to being like something close to brothers in a sense because they both have to deal with the weight of their failures and Thor has already done that and he's starting to reconcile. Um, so now we have to, maybe we should see Quill go through that. Um, but at the same time, Ooh, James Gunn gets his hands on Thor, especially the way he is now. I worry that it might go a little too overboard. That's the, that's the one thing I'm cautious about at this, at that, at this point. Um, but I don't know. James Gunn James Gunn does a, does a fantastic job of working with his characters. So I I doubt he'd he fuck it up tremendously.
1: Well, and I think the other thing about having Thor with the Guardians from Thor's story that gets lost is Valkyrie taking over the throne. And I want to see that on screen more than Thor and the Guardians like a thousandfold. Like, give me all the Valkyrie, I don't really care about the guys right now, like they can just go be in space because they were in space for long before now. So I mean, because that's like a huge, extremely huge, extremely important moment from Endgame that is going to go somewhere, but I don't know how and I really want to see that on screen and I don't want it to get lost amongst telling more stories about men.
0: Yeah, Guardians is a very male-dominated team. I mean, especially if Gamora's not on the They're team. They're with Nebula, though. Yeah, they got
1: they
2: got Nebula and Mantis.
1: Yeah, but Mantis is always like a sidekick. She looks so
3: weird at the funeral for Tony. She's just there. She was there, but she's being like, like usual sort of oblivious self, just kind of swinging, swaying back and forth, just like I'm not in this moment. I'm like, come on, man.
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot of emotion and she channels emotion, so maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just
3: Okay. Relax. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, stop hating on the female character. To your point,
3: Jordan, though, on Asgard and Valkyrie, I think that should be a show because I don't think I don't think that scene not not the scene from Endgame specifically, but the scene of new Asgard. I don't think that warrants like a full show. I don't know what you could do, or I'm sorry, a full movie. I don't know what you could do with that. But I think if you play just to like a silly drama between the Asgardians on like maybe the, on the Disney plus service or whatever, I think that would work a lot better though. What I really want to see is at this point, can we get Norman Osborn on the scene and we can build up to
0: siege, please? I was thinking that the entire time you were talking. I mean, Asgard on Earth, we can have Siege, and I, that was like one of the first storylines I read when I was getting into comics, and it was amazing. So I would love to see that transition onto the big screen, and you know, we have a setup Valkyrie to be protecting her homeland. We could maybe see Thor come back to defend it. So definitely opens up the gates for Siege and also a Valkyrie, you know, leading Asgard movie.
2: If they do a Siege-like storyline, I doubt it would be with Norman Osborn, though. I feel like they would have to find a different character. Uh, There's a lot of talk about the Marvel-Sony deal and which characters they can and can't use and how they have to end the characters, like how Zendaya is playing MJ, but it's not Mary Jane. It's Michelle Jones. It's like a completely different character, how there's no... Harry Osborn, they never say Uncle Ben's name, for example, things like that. Um, and I feel like if they don't introduce Norman by Spidey 3, I just I don't feel like it's going to happen. Um, I feel like there could be contractual obligations that don't allow them to use it. Uh, and I've been hearing a lot of rumors like that ever since like 2015. Um, so if they do do a seed storyline, I feel like they'd have to find another character to take his role. Um, I don't know. I've I've really wanted to see Regent on screen. You guys know Regent from Renew Your Vows. Um, I think he could be like a sort of Norman Osborne type in, within the MCU. And I, I would love to see Regent. I, I I was I actually like I wrote an outline for a script with Regent in it, but that's besides the point. I I just think he has a lot of potential.
3: Okay. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see where they take Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel from here. Because um, Captain Marvel is sort of an open book at this point because they sort of killed off any characters she had in a relation to or like... She's sort of like a blank slate right now, so I'm curious to see what they do with her moving forward. And Doctor Strange too sort of has it set up already with Mordo being like all oh, yeah, too many sorcerers. I gotta wipe them all out, kind of deal. Um, so I think I think they're they're ripe to sort of take over in certain aspects. I don't know what they'll do with uh, Black Panther. I I've heard people were, were, were people were like, oh, put Craven in Black Panther, or there there was a rumor, maybe there was a proper rumor about that.
2: Yeah. So uh, Ryan Coogler. I think he said like that he wanted Craven to be uh, like a villain in the sequel, but there's like Sony in like interference with that. I don't think it's gonna work out. I just want Doctor Doom and Panther to interact. Um, there is like uh, in the beginning of Endgame, Okoye. Did I say her name right? She she says like uh, there's an earthquake underwater. Is that teasing Namor perhaps? Namor and Black Panther have an interesting history. Um, when you when you brought up Captain Marvel, I I wouldn't mind seeing her like take the place of the Silver Surfer in some ways, because I mean they have Mister Fixit, they have Doctor Strange, they could kind of do like a Defenders thing, uh, if she's involved too, and then it's not like all male Defenders. You can have like a female defender included, and you know she she's practically as strong, right? So.
3: I still peg the uh, scrolls as being lying dirtbags, and I still fully suspect Secret Invasion will be a thing. But who would it be? What do you mean? Like who would be? A I Skrull? don't know. That's that what. Case. That's what they can start setting up.
2: That's true. Cut to cut to like Black Widow's body in Vormir. This turns.
1: Oh shit! Yo, what if? That'd be a great retcon. Wow,
3: that would be. Ooh. oh, I gotta tell my. F- oh, I'm gonna tell that to my friends, and they're gonna flip the fuck out. I was just joking.
1: <laughs> no, because that could work. Yeah, but think about it. That would it. totally be legit. <laughs> Carlos is like, yeah, but like, no.
3: <laughs> no, I want to see. I want to see Secret Invasion and Siege. However, they get to those points, whatever. Do what you got to do. I would just like to see those next. I think that or if they could do a Sinister Six story. And maybe even because like, you do like a maybe a Spider-Man-centric Avengers film where it's like ends of the Earth Spider-Man where the Sinister Six hold the globe hostage so the Avengers have to step up.
2: But the, the Sinister Six are probably already, like they're practically already set up in the Spidey movies. you got. Yeah, they're literally already there. Like they got Vulture, Shocker, Mysterio, Sandman, Molten Man, Hydro Man. That's that's six already.
3: So they just have to confirm that the latter three are actually there and not Mysterio's illusions. Just so, just so he can be a hero. They gotta. They have to. Fi- they have to elaborate on that.
1: So for less Spidey centric talk, because I'm tired of talking about him. <laughs> just kidding. you so
3: <laughs> mean to Spider Man.
1: anyway i was thinking about other movies that i would like to see of characters who maybe haven't had their own and um one of them is one that is about pepper in some way she has her own iron man suit in the comics or did, or
3: she's rescued i don't think she's coming i don't think gwyneth paltrow is coming back though
1: no i'm not saying i'm just saying like out of all those characters i would like to see another movie from her not that gwyneth will come back like Completely ignoring everything in the real world that would, like, cause that to happen. (laughs) Just, like, that's another character that I would love to see something more from. Or, you know, I mean, we already talked about Valkyrie, but even if she's not in her own solo movie, putting her with, like, other female heroes would be amazing. I would love to see that on screen. Like, come on, Sherry could go do, like, some random stuff in Asgard. Like, there are plenty of them out there that you could feasibly put something together. That would, like, help balance this extremely male-heavy franchise. Do an
3: A-Force movie.
0: Uh, Try that. I I dig that. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think that scene of all the women kicking ass at the end of Endgame really sets up, you know, the possibility for an A-Force movie or something along those lines. And I think, you know, it's something the Marvel Cinematic Universe is really missing at this point is, like, female-dominated movies and storylines. I mean, we have Captain Marvel, which was amazing. And I just want to see a lot more of that, which Valkyrie would be awesome, but also just a full team of female characters would be ideal. And definitely like, you know make up for what just, that's is. The missing. way they
3: go about that, they got to be careful because as much as I would like, I'd love to see an A-Force movie, but if they for, if they shove that on you, then I'm just, I would, I'm, it would be really upsetting. I know to a lot of people to shove this, there's a way to do diversity and diversification. Just don't shove it on on us because then your whole, the whole point is lost because you're trying to push an agenda, and that's a great way to alienate your audience.
2: Yeah, I understand that. Uh, for me personally, um, I, I, I'm definitely interested in female-led movies, but I'm very interested in female characters that Marvel has acquired from Fox I think the X Men girls, the mutant girls, they—they uh—they really are like the richest Marvel characters for me, and I would love to see like someone like Dazzler maybe even have her own movie. I think Dazzler is a really like interesting like pitch for a character that I think uh, a solo movie could handle really well. I would love to see Magic. I know we're gonna get her in New Mutants, but that's not MCU. But I, I she's one of my favorite m- female characters. You know, I just think there's so much potential with those with those X Men to to do like in maybe like an X Women movie or something like that. And I think the X Men have the best female characters in Marvel, and I'm much more interested in seeing movies about those characters than like Pepper Potts running Stark Industries post endgame.
1: Okay, I never said she'd run Stark Industries. That's just you making up your own storyline. Okay. I'm I'm
2: just, I'm just trying to explain what I mean. You know what I mean?
1: I do. I also completely disagree with you because the X Men. Well, okay, I shouldn't say completely. I like the choices that you brought up because it wasn't Jean Grey, it wasn't Storm, it wasn't the main female X Men. But I think those characters are extremely played out right now. Not that they won't be in the future, but like all of these X Men -Men movies that have come out, like it's too much. Like people are like somewhat excited for Dark Phoenix thank you for Dark Phoenix to come out. People are like tired of seeing these characters and like the movies themselves haven't been like that great and especially not in comparison to the MCU. So I think it would have to be very strategically chosen X-Men women. The other thing I wanted to say back to Matt saying like don't force it on people. um, We have been forced to watch men superheroes on our screens the entire time. So...
3: You haven't been forced to do anything. You went and saw these movies all on your own.
1: Yeah, but there's not, but there hasn't been female representation to watch. I agree with you saying don't force it on people, but I think you, not you as in you, Matt, but I think you as in the people you represent, as in white men, need to be careful when you say stuff like that because I think it gives that avenue of saying, like, all right, well, we don't want to see any female led superhero movies. I mean, you saw what happened to Captain Marvel. I mean, granted, like, the sales don't really agree with what people were saying.
3: No, but see, Captain Marvel was a good example of doing it right.
1: I know, but I think you need to be really careful still when you say things like that because kind of the way that it came across to me, at least listening to you talk, is not good. (laughs) And like, I want to see female-led superheroes, and I don't really care if you feel like it's being forced on you because like, that's what I want to see on screen because I haven't had that on screen in the same way that you've had Thor, Captain America, Iron Man... Quill, like all of those guys have been on screen for several years and we have Black Widow sometimes, we have Scarlet Witch sometimes, and we have Valkyrie sometimes. So like comparatively, there hasn't been that much out there at all. So I think I think the MCU is like very wide open right now for a lot of that stuff to kind of fill in the gaps because we don't know what's coming next apart from Far From Home and like assumedly another Black Panther, assumedly another Doctor Strange But there's, like, so many more movies that could come out. Sure.
2: I I don't think anything is forced on anyone. Like Matt said, it's about who goes to see the movies. It's about making a good movie that interests people. And if it doesn't interest you, they won't see it. And I think that's... And I think that kind of ties to what uh, you were saying, Jordan, about the X-Men movies and how no one's interested in them right now. I don't think that's a fault of the X-Men brand. I think that's a fault of the Fox films and their quality and the inconsistency of of them. Because, I mean, look at the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. Like, people weren't interested in that anymore. And then two years later, Peter Parker in Civil War again, everyone's like, I love Tom Holland. I want to see more of him right? So I think it's just a quality thing. I think if Marvel does the X-Men and they do them right, people will be interested again. I think that's all that matters. And I think that goes the same way for female characters or any character. The, The white men have been successful because their movies have been good and they've built interest and the female characters will be successful if their movies are good and they, you know, build interest. And that's why I, And that's why I want a Magic and a Dazzler movie. Let's make it happen. What do you say? X-Men, let's go! X-Men, woo!
0: I'm also on Jordan's side with this because I think that, you know, if we get a female-dominated movie, like a female-led team, I mean, think of how badass that big three would be with Scarlet Witch, Valkyrie, and Captain Marvel. You know, they're, they kick ass. I mean, Scarlet Witch was handing it to Thanos at the end of that movie. So I think that would be really cool to see them in action and to see them leading a team. And I think who wouldn't want to see that? You know, I would go see that in a heartbeat. It'd be one of my favorite movies probably for sure. So it's just a matter of, it is how they do it, but I also think they have all the tools they need to make a great female-led movie.
2: I don't think they'll do an A-Force movie with those characters per se, because Scarlet Witch, I mean, first of all, Black Widow's dead, so she's not on the team. Scarlet Witch is being on strictly on television now, so that's good. I mean, not good, but like, that's not
1: Wait, is it strictly on TV though? Is that like a thing? I, I don't know.
2: Well, I mean, like everyone else in the Avengers, she can't continue to play her forever. But you she know? has
3: so much room to grow. Then they finally, she could have killed Thanos. She
2: really could have. But then there's also another
3: question. I want more of her.
2: I do want more of Wanda. She's one. Of- She's probably my favorite female character in the MCU. I think, but um, um. Is she? Let I me. Mean, well, now I'm having a crisis. I, mean, I think she is my favorite. Am I forgetting anyone? No, I think she's my favorite female character. Um, but, you know, so with her being on television, Black Widow being dead, Gwyneth Paltrow leaving, that only leaves Valkyrie and Captain Marvel, which I think will continue to team up based on, based on interviews with Brie Larson and stuff. So I think they'll continue to team up. We still have Nebula and Gamora. I don't know if we'll see everyone we saw in Endgame with the Girl Power, though. And I don't know if that's a bad thing per se, as long as they introduce other characters as well. I remembered what I was going to say, because you were, you were saying that Scarlet Witch basically bodied Thanos. Well, Cap- Captain Marvel basically bodied Thanos as well. I think that's like putting both of them on the team kind of takes away from like the dangers of the universe, because like I mean they're the two strongest characters, basically. you know what I mean? Why is there a team when you have? Super Captain Marvel, you know what I mean? Uh, so that's that's kind of what I was also getting at with that particular A Force crew in the in their own standalone film, because I feel like the stakes will get smaller for a little bit with Phase Four before they rise again or whatever. Um, so I feel like they will they would need a different team of female heroes if they choose to go down that road. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I think they could easily put Shuri in right there, though.
2: Shuri for sure. Shuri for sure. God, I hate myself. <laughs> but I could, I, I could for sure see Shuri in a female team. oh I,
1: You could put definitely in there. You could say I definitely could see her.
2: <laughs> definitely, I know words. I write articles. God.
1: Okay, so to finish up, where does Endgame fall on the scale of movies for you? I
2: actually made the list. I made the list like as soon as I saw it. I, it's number seven for me. Top. What's number seven on the MCU? Seven.
1: Carlos already has a list, which means I need to know all the movies that come above this one. Well,
2: I have a personal ranking and like as close as I could get to objective ranking.
1: No, I want your personal one.
2: Okay, so it's Endgame 7, then Avengers 1, 6, then Ragnarok number 5, and then Winter Soldier number 4, and then Guardians of the Galaxy 1 number 3 and then i couldn't decide between civil war and infinity war for number 1 and 2. I, I love them both a lot. so that's my list.
1: that's fair. what's your very what's what's your last wait, i'm just what's the very bottom of your list? well, it's a
2: top 10, so i wouldn't call it the bottom.
1: oh, okay. well, then never mind.
2: Because there's 22 movies.
1: Yeah, I wanted to know what like number 22 was, but never mind. You only did 10. Uh,
2: I don't want to. I don't want to roast number 22.
1: Thor: Dark World. I mean, what?
0: No, I don't.
2: I don't know. I didn't get that far. But okay.
1: <laughs> cool. Um. Okay, Jesse. What about you?
0: I think it has to rank in my top three. I mean, throughout the movie, I was thinking like, "Damn, this has to be number one." Like, I'm loving this so much, but. You know, thinking back to Guardians and to Civil War and Winter Soldier and all the amazing movies we have, you know, without going into ranking each and every one, I'd say it's in the top
1: three.
3: Matt. See, I think I, I saw this question coming, but I still like I'm still not sure. I think I need to see it again before I can firmly say where it lands on my list, but I think right now it's I think it's at number four behind the other three that the Russos have done. I'd go Winter Soldier, Infinity War, Civil War, and Endgame. Unless, like, later down the line I, I move this one up. I don't know. It's definitely top five. Not not seven. Jesus. Got
2: it.
1: I know. That's that's lower than what I would have thought.
2: Probably, <laughs> I, hope, I hope if the Russos are listening that they know I love them and I'm thankful. <laughs> I, you know, it's just I have my reasons for my personal faves.
1: That's fair. I asked for your personal list, not your objective list. So I get it. Where is it on your objective list?
2: Well, let me check the objective list.
1: While he's checking, um, for me, I also want to see it again before I specifically put it somewhere. But it's definitely in my top. It might be my favorite. I can't decide because I really love the Captain America trilogies. And I really love the first Captain America movie, even though I know a lot of people don't. Which is, yeah, that's like a super unpopular opinion. But so I really loved those three. I really loved Doctor Strange. I think it was just so different from the rest of the characters who were in the MCU at the time that I really enjoyed that whole movie and kind of all of the magic stuff it brought in. So, yeah, I'm conflicted. I think I would watch Endgame before I'd watch Civil War again because I think Endgame is more on an epic scale than Civil War. Also, sometimes Civil War seems so long of a movie, which feels wrong for me to like say that. But sometimes I just feel like the whole like length of that one. But I don't really feel that within. Me. So I don't know. I'm very conflicted. I like a lot of the MCU movies. Is my problem, <laughs> but yeah, they all kind of exist in my top five, and they just like rotate between all of them. I guess.
3: Where is it on your objective list, uh, Carlos? Uh, it's still not in the top three.
1: Is it higher than seven? It's higher than seven. It's six. Is it in the top five? It's six.
2: <laughs> it's it's five or six, yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's just say it's at five, and then it's in the top five for all of us, and then we're good to go. <laughs> it's, in, it's, in the, it's
2: in the top five.
3: Yeah, it's definitely in the top five. He's winking at us, guys. You can't see it.
1: Carlos immediately moves it all the way to the bottom of the list. He's like number 10 because they demanded it be in the top five. Uh,
2: I winked with my left eye. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, No, it's just, it's really, it's a tough movie to to genuinely review, though, because, like, so much of Endgame, like, unlike, I would say, unlike any of the other MCU films, this one is really, really reliant on you watching a lot of the other movies. Like, it's tough to see it as a standalone film, you know? So I feel like there has to be, like, two different rankings to this one because there's the ranking as an MCU audience member, but if, if this is, like, just a movie that you watch without having seen at least 10 of the other MCU films, I feel like you're going to perceive it completely differently. You know what I mean?
1: I agree, but I think this one's easier—maybe not to understand, but to get more into the emotion of it than uh, Infinity War.
3: I would disagree because this one's tough. Endgame is a lot tougher to view as a standalone than Infinity War, because even foregoing the time travel stuff, if you haven't, if you didn't even see Infinity War, you're going to be lost. You're going to not understand who the big bads are, unless you've heard it through the grapevine, which is more than likely, but um, there's that, and there's so much, there's a lot of wrapping up of character arcs here, and calling back to past movies, that there's a lot you have to be, it's like like a lot of people said, a lot of this movie's fan service, but not in a bad way, but in the sense that if you haven't seen a lot of the other films, it'll be lost on you.
2: I mean, think of, think of Captain America dancing with Peggy like
1: i'm not saying again i'm not saying that they'll understand all of it i just think they'll understand the emotion underlying a lot of that stuff without having to know anything because like if you're watching a movie and you see like this big epic battle and like all of these people like coming in at the end you can just know from seeing movies throughout your entire life something happened to these people and that's why they're not coming in until the end whether like it was a disagreement whether well, people probably aren't expecting that they all died and came back to life. But you know, like something happens. And that's just like a theme with movies like this. So I think that emotion is easy to understand. I think, like seeing Peggy and Steve, even if you don't know who they are, like dancing together at the end, like you can still understand that there was some sort of bond between them. You won't understand why it's like such a big deal. But you'll still understand a lot of the like big deal aspects of this.
0: Yeah, I agree. And also like, you still get that sense of hopelessness in the beginning when they're all like crap what are we gonna do regardless of whether you saw the last movie or not you can see that they're in a bad place you know and that you can see that you know they're kind of hopeless in this sense and while i think that i also think this movie wasn't meant to be a standalone film you know it wasn't meant to stand on its own and it's completely dependent on the other films because that's how it should be and it's you know it's for the people who have seen every other film while it's also for people who are new to the films you know i think it's mainly for fans and i think it did a great job of building off of everything and you know if you haven't seen the other movies first off go watch them but you know i think it did well who's your guys's mvp of the movie who would you say came in most clutch
2: well dr strange to fit the most clutch definition it's either Doctor Strange or Captain Marvel. Because Clutch means, like, in the fourth quarter, you don't know. Do. Like, by the definition of Clutch, I'm guessing it's Doctor Strange because he opens the portals and brings everyone. Or Captain Marvel because she, like, prevents Thanos from snapping, like, twice. But my MVPs are probably mm, Black Widow, Hulk, and Cap, and Iron Man and Hawkeye, the original six. Everyone except Thor.
3: (laughs) For me, it's between both captains, Marvel and America, and Thor.
2: Oh, really? Thor?
3: Why? Because I think his A, he has in not on the, maybe not on the surface, but I guess uh, the undertone of his arc is very very powerful, and it's a good way to conclude this part of his arc. Um, And then at the end, he he goes total badass and he has like he he gets a good redemption bit for himself i think um you know he's just like both of the captains he gets to be really badass so every really everyone at the end had a great badass moment
1: i think natasha is my mvp because without her It wouldn't have happened, basically. They wouldn't have gotten all the stones. Although, I also think one thing who doesn't really get pointed out recently is uh, Scott Lang. I think he's not underrated, but just undervalued in a lot of the conversation recently, which isn't surprising because, you know, we're finishing Captain America and Iron Man's arcs. But I think also without Scott, like, this extra would not have happened. It would have just been, like, desolate forever. So, he's also another MVP that is kind of just under the radar, kind of, just because, like, at the end scene, like, it's not him, like, fighting the, like, really big fight in the same way as...
2: Oh, my God! Sorry! One of my favorite moments in the movie is Ant-Man's moment. Holy cow! I, again, I, like, stood up in the theater, like, not not on purpose. My body just did it by itself. I I was we reclined watching this happen, and all of a sudden, I see this, and my body just like, whoa, 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 and I was like, let's go, because when everybody comes back, and Cap is like, Avengers, assemble, everybody runs towards Thanos' army, and you see Giant Man just punch the Leviathan out of the air, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. That was aw- I love giants and stuff. That was so cool to me. I freaked out so much. I started clapping. My- oh, man. That was... Sorry, thank you, Jordan. I forgot about that. Oh, the best. That oh, the best. Oh man. Okay. I'm, I'm geeking out. I'm just seeing the moment in my head. I'm like having PSD like
3: in a great way. Like, yes, give me more flashbacks.
1: Aren't those just called memories?
3: Yeah, this one. That's a flashback. Whatever. No, nah, he's not wrong. That was a cool moment. I
0: love that.
1: Does he, who was your MVP?
0: I, I think it has to be Doctor Strange. I mean, he just. You know, without him, none of this would have been possible at all. But I also think, I'm surprised nobody said Iron Man. I mean, he is the one who gave up his life to snap and get everybody away. He came in pretty damn clutch. Yeah,
2: him and Black Widow, they were like the most sacrificial, I would say. Without them, none of it happened. And Thanos, and Doctor Strange and
1: Ant-Man. And
2: also Thanos, in a way. None of this would have happened without Thanos.
1: Yeah, but that's- <laughs> Thanos is the bad guy. But that's not like like a good thing. If he wasn't here, then it's like all right. If He wasn't
3: here. Exactly. None of this would have happened. We would have been all the better for it.
2: Uh, we wouldn't have the movie. <laughs> oh, excuse me, Thanos'
3: clutch.
1: Tony Stark would still be alive. So yeah.
2: But you guys know, I said I wanted him to die. Remember, so
1: Okay, you know what, Carlos? I think it's time for you to stop talking and for Jesse to start <laughs> talking again. <laughs> I was joking. Okay. okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Whatever you say.
0: <laughs> I mean, headliners are definitely Doctor Strange, Black Widow, and Iron Man in my book. I mean, those three kind of brought everything together. And I think Thanos gets, you know, the LVP in this scenario. I mean I mean, without him, none of this would have happened. But I mean, also without him, there wouldn't have been an issue and they would have lived happily ever. Yeah, but after. when has that ever happened in any good story?
1: Okay, but Jesse's right. Leave him alone. Do not hate on him. <laughs>
3: This movie was great. It was just about everything I think I didn't know I wanted, and more, perhaps
1: carlos is singing us out to the avengers theme song anyway for real thanks everyone for listening to us we love talking about avengers endgame and i'm sure there'll be so much more from us talking about this writing about this check out the site comics.com to see a lot more of our stuff and also our podcast we have a lot more other episodes to listen to so check those out if you're interested and yeah thanks for listening